Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. What up? Welcome back to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We're in kind of a, a weird, uh, like, I don't know, dead spot. No, not dead spot in sports, but... Uh, it's the week before the Super Bowl, so there's no NFL for us to handicap. Of course, I'm here with my handicapping homie, betting buddy, Nathan Beagle. What's up, Nate Dog? What's up? Back at it. Kind of disappointed we don't have football, but hey, if you're inclined to, Pro Bowl's on. <laughs> I am not inclined to. I that is. I don't know if I can bet on that with uh, who we use. I'm not sure if Tipco. I don't even know if anyone has odds for it, but that would be funny if they do. You have to be a real madman to be betting the Pro Bowl. I mean, I bet on I bet on preseason football, and even that feels luna uh, crazy. Yeah, I've definitely bet on preseason preseason this last preseason as well. And it was bad. Every now and then, you'll get like information from like beat writers that'll kind of make sense, and they'll like clue you into how the the how much the starters will play, and you can kind of bet on that. But pro bowl, pro bowl, I got absolutely nothing. Um, but what we are going to talk about today is we're going to recap the uh, NFL conference title round. Uh, I'm not we're not going to talk much about the Super Bowl because obviously the whole next episode will be dedicated to the Super Bowl. Also, look out for for that one. Um, we're going to have Yahoo Sports' Minty Betts back on. She's going to help us break down the Super Bowl. Um, we'll be talking obviously sides or the side, the total. Uh, player props, game props, just whatever. Hopefully it'll be a fun conversation that will uh, provide some betting insight. But on today's yeah, episode, gonna, go ahead, I'm sorry. We're going to tell you whether it's heads or tails. We're going to we're gonna dive into it all next week. Yeah, we're going to find out the color of the Gatorade for you guys. We got it all. We'll, I'll, we'll break down how long the national anthem will be. Don't worry, exactly. we're going to win some money, guys. Um, but today we have more of like a sports betting potpourri powwow, I'm calling it. Um, again, we will recap the NFL conference games. We'll do that first. Then we got some NBA futures talk. Nate Dog has a couple of futures that he likes. I'm going to um, handicap um, a couple of the NBA games on the Thursday slate, which is tomorrow. Again, we're recording Wednesday, February 2nd. Then we'll touch on a couple uh, key or, or, or um, basketball college basketball games between ranked teams over the next couple of days. Um, and if we have time, I'll hit the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. But uh, let's start with the NFL and the conference title games. Um, you know, your Cincinnati Bengals pull off a, a hell of an upset over the Kansas City Chiefs. How crazy were you going for that game? Yeah, talk to me about it. I don't even really remember the next game. That's why you're going to have to uh, take it from there. But, uh, yeah, that was – it was insane. Uh, I think the one thing that can't be uh, – really stated enough is our our halftime 
and then what the adjustments we make coming out of half both in week 17 when we played the Chiefs and then this past weekend it's just been amazing our defense has just it it's almost taken the first half to see what Kansas City is going to do and then it just shuts them down so uh I was pretty happy so last week I gave out a Patrick Mahomes touchdown prop plus money you would have been happy if you got it because it hit in the first half and then he decided to do absolutely nothing in the second half and basically toss the game away in overtime. But uh, I think it went not as many people expected, which is why I think the books probably made out like absolute bandits. But uh, I was impressed by the Bengals. I think they have a real shot going into SoFi. I do too, actually. I lean to the Bengals. I actually gave it out as a best bet on the podcast last week, but then come – like 20 minutes before kickoff, I was just all in on the Bengals. So <laughs> I tweeted about it a couple of times. Like, I, I love the Bengals come kickoff. And uh, it was crazy how they got there. I didn't ever think they were going to win, especially uh, seeing how that game was playing out. But, I mean, hell of a game from them. Um, I think I think Andy Reid obviously made a couple mistakes. Patrick Mahomes sucked in the second half. But uh, the Bengals just kept fighting, kept plugging along, didn't make that many mistakes, made less mistakes than the Chiefs. And, and now pulling out uh, the victory. So, um, did you have a profitable um, AFC title game? I had a profitable Bengals game. I had a uh, T Higgins over seventy-one yards. As I thought, the Chiefs, who got blasted by Jamar Chase for over two hundred in Week Seventeen, decided we're not going to let Jamar Chase do that again. He only had six receptions for fifty-four. Meanwhile, T Higgins who should have been a first-round pick two years ago, ended up with six receptions and 103. So that went over. Bengals plus 7.5 obviously hit. And then Mahomes had three touchdowns, so 2.5. So, yeah, I was a, I was a solid 3-0 and on on my Bengals game. That's awesome. Which was, uh, which was nice because you won uh, – when we both went uh, oppo on the Cam Akers when the following game, you won that one. So gave me a little breathing room. I went 4-2. Um, well, I went four and five in my best bets last week in the AFC title game. I hit with the Bengals plus seven, um, whiffed on over Joe Mixon, 27 and a half receiving yards. He lost that one by a half yard. I whiffed with Clyde Your Edwards. Luck with player props is worse than I have ever seen by anyone in my life. It's pretty crazy, right? I share these with you because I it's kind of startling to me and it's funny to me almost. But yeah, I'm like hemorrhaging money in player props. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, I was, uh, I missed the, uh, over in the Clyde Edwards Hilaire rushing yards, 37 and a half. He finished with, um, he finished with, um, 36 rushing yards. So that missed by a yard and a half. I think that, and like, just like Kansas city abandoning the run game in the second half or, um, just not committing to the run game is really what hurt them. Jarek McKinnon looked awesome for them out there. I'm not even talking about it as like a hurt over CAG better. Um, I just I thought they should have ran the ball more in the second half after they built that huge lead. But um, So I whiffed on those two-player props. I hit under Byron Pringle, 37.5 yards. I think he had like three catches, 19 yards. I was just never sweating that. They really didn't look his way. So two for two in the AFC title game. Um, man, the Bengals. I had the Bengals to make the playoffs last year. I was just a year ahead on those guys. I knew Joe Burrow was an alpha. I thought Zach Taylor could turn around with a decent um, decent quarterback. And uh, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy you guys are, are, are um, steps ahead of where you were projected to be, even this year. 
Yeah, I see a lot of people loving the Bengals, mainly because a ton of our good players, Logan Wilson, Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, a ton of them are on rookie contracts still, so they're cheap. Yeah. So it'll be interesting how the team ages. I mean, they could be set up to be a dynasty for, I mean, not a dynasty, but a solid team, a solid AFC contender for four or five years, especially until Burrow starts to decline, which, I mean, he's already 25, but still could be 10 years away. So either way, I'm, I'm excited. The city was absolutely popping. I was down, I was down at some local places and it was, it was, it was crazy. I saw oh, people fight. I saw bouncers going crazy. I saw some people absolutely slumped from having too much to drink, but it was a cool environment. Oh yeah. I'm sure. It's exciting. Um, let's talk about the NFC title game real quick. Um, I went, was I two for three in those games? I whiffed with the Rams minus three and a half. I ended up betting the money line. It was the biggest money line I've ever bet. I laid minus one eighty with the Rams like five minutes before kickoff. So I cashed that one, but whiffed with the Rams minus three and a half. Hit the under and then Rams Niners game forty five and a half, which was just a no doubter the whole time. Um, I whiffed with under Jimmy G passing touchdowns. Um, he finished with two. I gave it out under one and a half. That's not a half point loss that matters. <laughs> not in touchdown passes. I whiffed, or I got the under uh, Cam Akers, 62 and a half rushing yards. And I went, I missed with the over Tyler Higby, 40 and a half receiving yards. I actually, I actually got line value on pretty much all of these numbers. Like Joe Mixon closed at 32 and a half rushing receiving yards. I think Cam Akers closed at 57 and a half rushing yards. Higby closed at 42 and a half receiving yards. The Jimmy G passing touchdown prop, I gave it out a minus 130 on my book. It got up to minus 170. So I got line movement, uh, or I got a good closing line value, but just did not have a profitable uh, day with the props. How did you do in the NFC title game? Yeah, so I was uh, one and two. I also worked with Rams minus three and a half, which looking back, I just feel like I should have known better on that one. Uh, like you said, under 45 and a half was never in question. And then uh, I, th- I thought Akers was going to get more than 13 carries. I mean, he was averaging 3.7. I think he had 24 the week before. He didn't hit the over 59 and a half. And then personally, uh, just so I had some action in the game, I did a late play on a Tyler Higby touchdown at like plus 250 or something, and that didn't hit either. So, uh NFC NFC game was both not profitable for me on the best bets and in real life. So it was a tough one. <laughs> no, I killed it like in real life, uh, struggled in the best bets, but I just put a lot more money on like the side and the total than I did the, the props. I mean, yeah. I bet all the props that I gave out, so didn't do well there. But um, the, the, the Higby one really kind of sucked because he went out with an injury early and then the backup tight end did really well. And I think he even scored a touchdown. If I'm, is that uh is that Blanton? I think yeah yeah I think that's his name Blanton. I'm pretty sure he scored a touchdown. So yeah he, yeah he did he did pretty well five receptions no touchdowns five receptions fifty seven yards a third leading re- receiver so can't ask for much more if if those were to Higby he's going over easy. Yeah I mean what did he have in the short time that he played he had like uh, two for eighteen yeah yeah so I mean he would have gotten more looks bottom line but. You know, that's part of betting overs or player props is fading injuries or avoiding injuries, and we didn't get lucky in that one. Hopefully the Super Bowl is more profitable. We'll have, 
like we said, we'll have uh, Yahoo Sports' Minty Bets on next week to discuss that. Obviously, we'll give our picks for the game. We'll uh, save our picks for the game total and the player props, game props, whatever, all that for next week. Do you have any final thoughts about the um, NFC title round? Uh, no, I, I think the Rams look good. Both both sides of the ball, they look they look great. So I, I would be hesitant. I think it, I think it'll be a good Super Bowl. Should I believe be. what the one thing we would say is I believe it opened at four, three and a half, and then now it's up to four and a half if you're looking ahead for Super Bowl odds. Think it opened three and a half, popped up to four and a half, and now it's at four ish, depending on where. It's it's like it's like a heavily juiced four towards the Rams. So looks like it's going to four and a half. Yes, that works. We'll see how that changes till next week when we uh dive into it more. Yeah, for sure. We'll be talking about that, obviously. It's a Super Bowl. Um, All right, moving on to the NBA Futures talk. So, obviously, with football dying down, this podcast is going to pivot. I have the daily NBA show, but um, Nate is knee-deep into betting NBA. He loves the NBA. He loves uh, college basketball as well. And so we're going to start talking NBA Futures, just trying to find any value in the sports betting market outside the NFL with – um, specific focuses on, on basketball because basketball is my first and uh, favorite sport probably. I'm not as much into college basketball as the NBA. Well, not even nearly close, but I can keep up and hopefully I keep up with our college basketball talk when we have it. But we'll start with the NBA futures um, where I just pretty much turn it over to you, dude. What do you got? I'm excited. You kind of yeah, tease so, it on uh, Slack. I don't know. I don't know what you have. So for the sake of it, I'm going to go with just so everyone knows, out of clear transparency, I already put some money on all three of these because I'm feeling great. Maybe not that great, but I'm feeling good. So the first one, I don't think I remember the odds. I know both MVPs are in the 250 range. I would have to look them up on Tipico real quick. I didn't uh, get those before. So my most viable player, I have two most viable player picks. I picked them both. So... My first is going to be Jokic at plus 300. So right now the favorite on Tipico is plus 220, which is Joel Embiid. <clears throat> so Jokic, let me give my little brief synopsis. He's coming off an MVP campaign, and shockingly, I think his numbers are even better. He's averaging a touch less points, but he's averaging three more boards, boards per game. He's shooting better. Uh, he's averaging more assists and re- and rebounds. He's averaging more assists and rebounds the name Embiid and just a couple fewer points. Uh, it's really just all, I think when it comes to Jokic, Embiid, any other MVP candidate, it's really going to be who ends up winning their conference or being a top three team in their conference. I think the Nuggets have a better chance to be impressive in the West than the Sixers do in the East. And that kind of where it comes to Giannis as well. So Giannis is plus 350. And Giannis, obviously a two-time MVP. Most people that follow NBA kind of understand what he's done to the game and if you remember earlier in the season the Bucks struggled a lot they had some COVID uh issues and Drew Holiday missed a lot of time I think Chris Middleton missed a few games but they're healthy now and uh this is what really got me feeling like Giannis could be a great pick the Bucks have the easiest remaining schedule and they're only a game and a half out of first place in the east if the Bucs win the East and they roll over teams, like I'm thinking they will throughout the remainder season, especially if they have the easiest schedule, uh, Giannis could easily win it. Numbers-wise, Giannis is like a very good mix between Jokic and Embiid. He's averaging right between them in points at around 
I believe it's around 27 and a half per game, and he's averaging more rebounds and assists than Embiid. Um, and he's not shooting quite as well as Jokic. So he's a pretty good mix. If the Bucks claim the number one seed in the conference, I think he's the MVP. And uh, at plus 350, I'm willing to toss a little bit on it. When you get to this point in the season, there's only a handful of MVPs that make sense. Right now on Tipico, the only ones that are better than minus 400, better than minus a th- or plus 1,000 is Giannis, Stephen Curry, plus 380, Jokic, and Embiid. So like we talked about preseason with like Micah Parsons and the defensive rookie of the year, like they under these books understand how the MVP is going to go. Kevin Durant, even if he comes back, he's going to miss too much time. Uh, Jaws just not going to – the Grizzlies aren't going to get there. He's not quite the most valuable player. And then the other side note that I just thought of when it comes down to it is Giannis is also far more of an Ironman than Embiid. If Embiid goes down for three weeks, he's already missed some time. He's not winning the MVP. And then it's it's Jokic or Giannis is who's the favorite. And uh, that's kind of where I'm rolling. That's where I'm at. Uh, I like both those picks for MVP. So real quick, just to uh, clarify, you like Giannis and Jokic as your two MVP picks? Or- yes, yeah, so those would be my picks. And I think the value now is pretty good just because, again, Embiid is playing well. I think he's had over 25 for an insane amount of games. Um yeah. But I don't see that necessarily continuing, especially I don't see that continuing and the Sixers being that good comparatively to what Giannis can do for his team on a nightly basis and how they could finish at the top of the East. Because in my opinion, when it gets down to it, it's all who's going to finish at the top of the East between the Sixers and the Bucks. If the Bucks finish at the top, I don't see how Giannis doesn't uh, get his third MVP. Uh, Joel Embiid's injury concerns, I think, is a pretty sharp point that you made. Uh, he was... Not considerable, but he was a clear favorite um, through like half the season last year before I got a knee injury and I kind of took him out of the race. And, you know, he's always kind of battled leg or knee injuries. Um, Jokic is having probably a better season last year than his MVP season. And I do think if the Bucks pull away with the East in the second half of the year, Giannis is going to start getting more and more buzz and his numbers are just like, they're stupid, quite frankly. <laughs> I am interested the one point that you made about Milwaukee playing the, you said the easiest strength of schedule. Now, I use tankathon.com, um, and they actually have Milwaukee as the hardest strength of schedule. So it's the opposite of what you said, but also kind of bridging the two points together or to loop it back in. Like, they have some tough games and, like, marquee games against good teams is kind of how you – you know, that is, it can help your MVP case. So, like, Milwaukee, their remaining opponents, they got two games against the Suns, one against the Warriors, one against the Grizzlies, three against the Bulls, two against the Sixers, and one against the Heat with 29 remaining. Um, average winning percentage of their opponents are 54.5%. So, it's the toughest schedule. But, like, to me, that kind of, that helps your argument. It's not like he struggles against good teams. Like, he's just going to ball out against good teams in primetime games. So that makes me like the Giannis pick a little bit more, even though I don't know. I don't know where you got your numbers from. Oh no, that is that. No, no, no. That, that's a, that was me tripping on my part. Cause I use tankathon too. It's just, I kind of read it as uh you read it the opposite the way. Third, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause Memphis actually has the easiest schedule. And like, to me, John Moran is the only, 
is the only number that I would bet because he's, I mean, shop around for these numbers. I'm seeing it as high as plus 1,600. Um, Typico, which I'll uh, read an ad for here in a few minutes, but I don't know what their their, um, John Moran to win MVP lines at, but just shop around other books before you make any um, set bet, but... He's getting uh, over 10 to 1 on a lot of books. So just because there's a chance they'll finish in the top three, I mean, they'll probably finish in the top three. His numbers are stupid. The way he plays is incredible. And he's probably going to light up the New York Knicks tonight on primetime and in Garden just to kind of like further separate himself from like just your regular all star, all NBA guy. So just because of the value, I, I like or lean towards John Moran, but. I actually, I, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. So, you uh, you have another future you're interested in. I thought, or, or is that it? Yeah, no, I have one more that I don't hate, and it's tough because I I sprinkled on it, and I still don't know if I love it. But the New York Knicks right now, hear me out. This is your team, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're currently sitting 11th in the East. They struggled. Um, they've been struggling at home, which is kind of odd. They're 13 and 14 at home. Usually I think it's because probably teams like getting up for playing at Madison square garden. Nonetheless, they're in 11th place. They're 11th by half a game. Um, most people should remember that seven through 10 play a play in tournament in the NBA now. So 10 can get in, which is two wins. And really, in my opinion, between seven and 10, the Hornets, Raptors, Celtics, Hawks, it's not like last year's Western Conference where the Spurs were easily the worst 10 seed and it was always going to be Lakers, Warriors, or Warriors, Memphis, or whoever the last two teams were. The 7 through 10 is going to be close. So right now, the Knicks are plus 900 to get a playoff spot. I think there's definitely an opening for them to be able to slide in right into like a 10 or a nine spot, especially if the Raptors, I don't think the Raptors are quite as good as 26 and 23. I think the Hornets are good. Even the Celtics, Hawks and Knicks are all there. Uh, I like the Knicks. I think they'll be able to reclaim home court advantage. And I think just plus 900 jumped off the page to me when I saw it. The one future that I looked at, actually there was two. I already have this bet in my account. I took the Milwaukee Bucks at minus 115 to win the central division. Um, I think they're behind the Cleveland Cavaliers at the moment. Hold on, let me pull up that specifically. Right now, the Central Division. Bulls were in the Central, though. Yeah, Bulls are one and a half game ahead, games ahead of both the Cleveland Cavaliers and Milwaukee Bucks. I'm actually more worried about Cleveland than I am Chicago because of Chicago's injuries to their backcourt, Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Um, but I think Milwaukee's in a runaway at that division, although minus 120, which is what it's currently at on Tipico, is not a number that I'll be going to the window with. A number that I do find interesting is I'm high on this team. I've been winning a lot of money on them. The Toronto Raptors plus 4,000 to win the Atlantic division. They're four and a half games back of Philly. We've already talked about Embiid having iffy health, and sometimes he'll have to miss games or stretches of time for – um, you know, almost being too fat for his knees, for lack of a better way of putting it. Uh, yeah, any type of injury. Yeah, um, and he, Philly, are, Philly are beasts. Like, there's no question that I think they're the best team in the Atlantic, especially with Brooklyn not having KD and having a part-time Kyrie Irving 
Um, so I, I don't think they win the division. I really think it's Philly and and I think Toronto and or Boston can run them down. Boston I think is plus two thousand, um, and Toronto is plus four thousand. But I just I love the way they defend. I love the way they crash the boards. Um, I love their depth at wing. Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, um, Scotty Barnes. None of them are all-stars, but all three of them together play really well. Gary Trent has been balling lately and has really kind of found his role. And Fred Van Vliet, is, he hasn't been officially selected to the all-star game because they haven't selected the reserves, but he will be, and he is a bona fide all-star. That guy's a baller. So it's a fat, fat number, plus 4,000 for a reason, right? Boston has been playing really well. Philly. Um, seems to be uh, the clear favorite, or they are the clear favorite to win that division, and then you still have the Brooklyn Nets, but plus 4,000 is a hard number to not just dabble on. But I don't have anything specific. Just wanted to touch on those uh, future ideas that I had. Do you have anything else about the NBA future? I have a couple games that I like in the NBA over the next, uh, actually tomorrow, Thursday, and I think you have one as well. Do you want to move over to those, or do you have more? future talk to get to yeah i don't have a ton more else on the future i do like the raptors in terms of the potential they have it'll be interesting how it all clicks i feel like they're pretty young with uh barnes being a key piece but man them together the 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 ability to switch everything and play defense is just uh it's great against huge teams i i do i feel like i would be worrisome against bigger teams like are they going to be able to like chris would Chris Boucher really be able to guard like a Joel Embiid type? But uh, luckily for them, there's not a ton of huge bigs. So maybe they could make a run if Embiid goes down. Who knows? They match up really well with Miami. They don't match <laughs> up very well with with uh, with Milwaukee, which is pretty common sense. You can make the argument Embiid destroys their interior. But, I mean, how many times have we seen Philly choke in the playoffs to where if it's a seven-game series, you're giving me Doc Rivers versus Nick Nurse? I'll take it. What am I getting? Writing it plus one forty two. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's go. You know, so um, that's not that doesn't touch on the division bet itself, or you know, that's obviously just a regular season bet. But um, I don't know. I like Toronto, and I, I've just been cashing a lot of tickets with them recently. That's why this uh, plus four thousand jumped out to me. Uh, moving along though, but staying in the NBA, I have a couple games that I like uh, tomorrow, Thursday, February third. I like the over. Uh, in the Heat Spurs game. I don't know what the line is right now. I'd play it up to probably 221.5. I think the total will be 217.5. And I also like the Suns uh, visiting the Atlanta Hawks. I would play that up to minus 5.5 the Suns. I actually don't think it'll be that high. I think it'll probably be pending Trey Young's game status. I think the Suns will be favored 3.5. We'll see. Maybe I'm way off on both of those and I have to kind of eat my words, but. Um, I'll, I can break them down a little bit here in a minute, but what do you like in the NBA in the near future? So uh, we can talk about the line real quick, but I'm going to dive into the Lakers Clippers, and I have the Lakers sitting around two and a half point favorites. Okay. I, I'm not expecting LeBron. He's been, he was doubtful on the injury report today. I'm pretty sure they said they're not going to play until that knee swelling goes down. Mm-hmm. Um. But they will be expected to have Davis and Westbrook. So that's the game I'll dive into. All right. So I'll go through my one or one of the games real quick. Then we'll touch on the Clippers, Lakers. Um, then I'll wrap it up with my my second game. But um, I like the over in the Heat Spurs game. Again, I think it'll be 217. I'll play it up to 221 and a half. 
Um, recency fits this well. Miami is seven and zero to the over in the last seven. Uh, San Antonio is four and two to the over in the last six. The trends are pretty crazy. Um, Miami is nineteen and nine to the over on the road, and uh, and um, San Antonio is eighteen eight and one um, to the over at home with a plus six point two total margin. Also, when each of them play against the opposing conference. Um, those games go way over the total. Miami versus the West is 17 and three to the over with a plus 7.8 total margin. San Antonio is 14 and seven to the over, the plus two five total margin. These styles line up for an over game. Miami's a really good three point shooting team. San Antonio has a subpar three point defense. Also, San Antonio uh, has one of the fastest paces in the league. They play at the eighth highest. Uh, frequency of transition offense. Miami is actually kind of weak in transition defense or 20th in defensive points per play in the fast break, according to cleaningtheglass.com. But they're actually first in offensive points per play in the fast break. So they're going to be down for San Antonio, speed it up. Miami's chill with that. Um, and yeah, the trends are just uh, the, 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 the Western Eastern Conference trends are a little confusing, but uh, Miami balls out offensively on the road and San Antonio just their points or their their totals go through the roof at home for whatever reason so I like over in the heat Spurs game let's talk about the Clippers Lakers why do you like the side you like yeah so I know uh we talk quite a bit on slack and I know you're gonna absolutely despise this pick you don't know but I like the Lakers and there's a couple weird trends that point in that direction a couple of trends that when I was when I was looking on the team rankings, I couldn't really believe. But the the Clippers are four and eight against the spread with a rest advantage, and the Lakers are four and two against the spread on the second night of back to backs. Okay, just a couple of weird things. Um, I, I know the, the Clippers have had a good defense, but it's been slipping ever since Paul George went out. The other thing is, is Russell Westbrook's he, he's playing really well recently. Uh, Westbrook has shot 50% or better in five straight games, which honestly almost feels impossible. Don't tell people that. Everyone wants to hate Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I was like, Russell Westbrook shot like 70% from the field one one game. I was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, so, wait uh, wait until you read that he actually won an MVP. <laughs> yeah, so he averaged a triple-double. He shot 8 for 15 from the field, 7 for 12, 9 for 15, 12 for 23. I mean, like, he is – it's – I mean, he's not shooting well from three, but he's making an impact. When he makes an impact, they're a good team. Anthony Davis is also going to be playing. And I just like fading the Clippers in close contests. When the Clippers are seven-point underdogs, sure, I'll take them to cover. Tyron Lue is one of the best coaches in the NBA. But uh, I, I think the, the Clipper or the Lakers are able to get it done. And the Clippers have won four in a row against the Lakers. Feels a little off. It feels like the Lakers are due for a big-time home win, and uh, I think they get it done. I think Russell Westbrook's playing well. I think Anthony Davis has an edge there. And I don't trust players like uh, like Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson quite yet. No, I hear you. I don't hate that pick. Um, I think the market is too low on, on just like Russell Westbrook. I mean, yeah, he struggled shooting from the field, but he's starting to perform exactly as L.A. wanted him to and needed him to right like it was kind of baked into their logic that Anthony Davis could get injured LeBron's old so homeless games whereas Russell Westbrook misses no games he goes it's cliche goes 110 percent every game and 
and it come the like the dog days of the NBA season of the NBA calendar, he should step up. And that's what we're starting to see. And we've seen in his last two stops, Washington, Bradley Beal went down and he dragged them into the playoffs. Two years ago, Houston, I'm pretty sure James Harden had his injury issues. And like before the lockdown, if you remember, Russell Westbrook just went nuts. Like he was he was averaging like 34. Uh, he was averaging like a 30-point triple-double in like the weeks leading up to the lockdown. So I do not hate that take at all or that that that, that, that uh, Lakers love at all, honestly. Um, I thought you were a pretty pro-Clipper guy, so I was hesitant. I think you're just a pro-Tyron Lue guy. I'm pro-Ty Lue. I actually, the only NBA future or NBA uh, finals future I would play would be the Clippers to win the finals, and I think they're plus... 1500 because if they get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back like I I think that that's the best team in the league honestly like last year they had the highest three-point percentage and the highest free throw percentage for a team ever ever they were the best shooting team and they what got to six games in the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi Leonard Um, I think if they were to get those players back I think it's plus fifteen hundred. That price point would be sweet, but so I do like the Clippers. I just don't, you know, I, I like the Lakers to kind of turn around their season um, yeah, as long as Westbrook the, and AD uh, stay healthy. For the sake of the argument, Russell Westbrook did have a twenty-eight game stretch in the nineteen twenty season where he averaged thirty-two on fifty percent shooting. All right, so yeah, in the lockdown before the lockdown, right? Uh, I don't know if it was, was before it, was the he lockdown. With it was just, was he? Yeah, in Houston. Right, so it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. So he's he would, not always the five for twenty. He's gonna. I. I think he gets kind of a bad rep. I think he'll have a good game tomorrow. No, like in for Houston. Remember, I think they got rid of Capella, and they just pretty much had Russell Westbrook play center and like just attack the basket. It was nuts, and he and he balled out. I, we know what he can't do, but he doesn't get enough love for what he can do. So I like that pick. Uh, the final bet, uh, like in the NBA, I'm probably going to say all this tomorrow, but I'm going with the Suns. I'll play it up to minus five and a half as they visit the Atlanta Hawks again. It's a February 3rd game, but Phoenix just dominates bad defenses. Atlanta, I think, is uh, their bottom five in adjusted defensive rating, but Phoenix is 15-2 and two straight up versus bad uh, bottom 10 defenses. They have the highest adjusted net rating at plus 13.8 points per 100 possessions and the second best ATS differential. Also, styles make fights, and the style uh, fits. The the style of this fight would fit Phoenix a lot better than it would Atlanta. Uh, Phoenix has a top 10 fast break frequency and the second most efficient fast break offense. Atlanta has the least efficient fast break defense. Uh, defense. Both run a lot of pick and roll. If you're going to get into a pick and roll contest with Chris Paul, I'll take Chris Paul. Um, the trends really back Phoenix here. They're twelve and six against the spread as a road favorite, plus six point two ATS differential. They're seven and zero when the line is in between minus two and a half and plus two and a half, and they're six and three against the spread on the road versus teams above five hundred. Atlanta is one and three against the spread as a home underdog, and one and eight against the spread when getting between three and seven points. Also, if this game gets close late. Phoenix over Atlanta in a landslide in winning time. Uh, Phoenix is 20-3 and three straight up in clutch situations, which is defined by games within a five-point margin in the last five minutes. They have the best net rating at 
45.1. The next closest team is Washington at 20.1 net rating in clutch. Atlanta is 9-13 and straight up in clutch time. They have the second worst defense, uh, net rating at minus 21.2. So I'm on the over in the Heat-Spurs game, provided it's not above 221.5. I'm taking the Suns against the Atlanta Hawks, provided it's not higher than 5.5. Do you have any other NBA th- thoughts, or are we going to pretty much uh, turn over to you for the college basketball stuff? Nope, that's it. We can uh, jump to the college betting if you'd like. Yeah, let's do it, man. So we got uh, two big games on the docket this week. A lot of times, especially with these college games, uh, we're not going to try to do a ton of them, but we're going to do the high-profile ones, the ones that are going to be on CBS, are going to be on Fox. They'll probably be on your TV or at a bar, even if you don't notice it. Um, So the first one we have lined up is Kansas at Baylor. So Kansas just suffered a pretty tough loss at home to Kentucky and then Baylor has also lost a couple recently. So I I am it's at Kansas. So I'm giving this game about Kansas a three and a half point favorite. I would say why did you start here? Isn't this a Saturday game and the other one's a Thursday game? Is it just an alphabetical order? I started here because I have it first on my notes. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So let's just. Who cares? We're we're rolling. All right. My bad. I didn't mean to throw you off. At least at least you told him. I probably wouldn't even have told him. Yeah. So Kansas Um, Baylor. It's a primetime game Saturday evening. I don't know the tip off, but Saturday February fifth. Go ahead. You like? I'm sorry. No, he mentioned it. Good. Good. No, that was a that was a good mention to save some people thinking uh thinking it was after, but uh. So in my opinion, Kansas is bound to be favorites. A lot of times the home team in college get a little more love than the home team in the NBA. But the question is going to be by how much. So Baylor almost was upset against West Virginia because Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer, two of their um, more prominent scorers, Cryer leads the team in scoring. Flagler is one of the best three-point shooters in the nation. So they they were both day-to-day against West Virginia. And they're expected to play Saturday. So Baylor on the season ranks top 30 in the nation in scoring and top 25 in limiting opponents scoring. As for Kansas, their defense is nearly, isn't nearly as good, but their offense led by, uh, I remember hearing people say, it, I believe I pronounce, I believe it's, uh, I don't know. Do you know how to pronounce his name? No, I, I, I it's like, no, I can't, I'm not even going to butcher it. We'll it's, go first name. Ochai. Ochai A. A's. Ochai A, yeah. Ochai A is awesome. I've been watching him. I watched the Kansas game. Uh, uh, but I'll take defense over offense, especially at the collegiate level. I think Kansas is also going to be the public favorite. And then I got to couple that with the fact that Kansas is one and four uh, against the spread over the last five. And I, I personally think this will be over a three-point favorite. And typically these big, these big 12 battles, they're going to be pretty close pretty close, pretty hard fought. So uh, I think if it's anything under three, I'm going to snatch it up for Baylor. And I would honestly, I might even uh, sprinkle a little bit on their money line because I think they're just better. And I think uh, Ochai A is really the only way Kansas can score at a high level, him and Braun. And I think Baylor's backcourt is in their pressure is just going to be too much. Good stuff. Yeah. Just from what I read, all the trends seem to point to Baylor being the better play, but it's mostly trends. I don't know if that's, the listeners thing or your thing, but uh, um, I have Kansas uh, visiting Baylor, but Baylor 16 and eight against the spread versus ranked teams since 2019. 
plus 3.2 ATS differential. They're 17 and 7 ATS on the road and uh, 24 and 19 against the spread in Big 12 games. The one thing that gives me slight pause is that Kansas is uh, 2 and 1 straight up and 3 and 0 against the spread in their last three meetings with Baylor. But I like a lot of your basketball analysis and where you went with it. I don't, I just, you know regurgitating the notes that I took about this game. I don't know if you have any other further thoughts about it or if you want to go to your next best bet. Um, but that's yeah, I don't I have a ton on that. It is at uh, it is in Kansas, so it is at Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, wow. All right. Well, hey, my mistakes. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind that. Um, well, actually, no. I don't know why I have. I have Baylor's ATS on the road written down, but I have it Baylor visiting kansas that makes no sense so i just confuse you the listener everyone involved my bad i should have just shut up <laughs> no i was thinking i might have been wrong so it, i mean it's always good to double check so then uh so kansas i don't have a good line on the second game i tried to see if it was out already uh so it's ucla against arizona this is going to be one of one of the better college basketball matchups this entire year UCLA's coming in at number three Arizona is coming in at number seven. UCLA already clapped Arizona at UCLA by 16 earlier in the year. I watched that game. I stayed up for it. I think it's going to happen again. I don't care if it's at Arizona or at UCLA. I think UCLA is the far better team. They held Benedict, I believe it's Benedict Matherin, to five for 22 shooting. UCLA shot 19% better from the field, 22% better from deep. Uh, UCLA is undefeated on the road and has and as once they've won six straight covered um covered their last four i believe or covered six of their last four either way i think they're going to be underdogs when they visit uh arizona i from what i've seen in college betting the home team does get a significant edge but if we're being honest uh arizona the last time they played they play against arizona state i think they were 21 point favorites 21 and a half point favorites they didn't look like it. If they weren't losing at half, it was at least within a five-point game. And they shot 32% against the nation's 180th best defense. I just don't see Arizona being able to contain UCLA. And UCLA is just a team that has the experience. They've been on the they've been to the biggest platforms. And I don't think Arizona has a ton of wins that I'm like, wow, you really beat them. Like they beat Illinois by four. They lost to Tennessee by four there there haven't been a ton of wins where i'm like arizona is that team but i think ucla is that team so i'm gonna take the bruins here uh even if they're favorited by two or three points i'm still gonna take them so in 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 tucson you would you would lay the three with the bruins i might not lay it if it was three and a half four and a half for ucla but if you if Arizona, who I believe will be the favorite, is getting points, I would take the Bruins, yeah. So the Bruins were three-point underdogs at home January 25th, a week I or so ago, that, against Arizona. That was when Arizona had one loss. They have two now because one of them was the UCLA, and they were rolling then. I don't know how that was leading into that game. I mean, they... They had beat teams coming into that game. They had beat teams by 25, 28, 18, 21, uh, 16. So they were just rolling Pac-12. I think that's what played into that. Again, I haven't seen enough from Arizona to really be like, yeah, they're that team. They're a top 10 team. But uh, that's why I like UCLA here. I, I put a lot on UCLA when they were underdogs the first time around. And, I mean, I'm going back there. Can't. 
can't take it away if it's a winner. Yeah, I mean, if they were underdogs at home, they should definitely be underdogs in Arizona. The one concern, one of the few concerns I have about the UCLA side is they could be without Johnny Juzang and uh, Yaquez, their two leading scorers. I think they missed the last game, but um, they they both might actually play as well. I know they're both uh, questionable right now, but UCLA is 6-0 and straight up and against the spread versus Arizona since Mick Cronin um, came to Brentwood. Um, and the trend's definitely back UCLA. They're 10 and 3 against the spread since 2019 versus ranked teams with a plus 7.4 ATS differential. Zone over that time is 4 and 5 against the spread versus ranked teams. Um, another concern that I do have, though, is, is Arizona's actually got a better um, adjusted efficiency differential, according to Ken Palm. And they have two of the top three players in the Pac 12 by PER. Also, Arizona takes, um, this is according to hoopmath.com, they're ninth in percentage of field goal attempts in transition and 14th in fast break effective field goal shooting percentage. UCLA's defense is 239th in fast break effective field goal percentage. So if Zona can get out and run, that could, um, that could, that could be trouble for UCLA. But I mean, UCLA did smack them um at home as an underdog so and i and i was looking at taking ucla to win the nca tournament i think they're still going off at plus a thousand so i like ucla yeah, i definitely i definitely don't think that'd be a bad play and once you've been there once you kind of understand what it takes and yeah. Juzang's a big time player so i mean i mean they returned everyone right for the most part yeah i mean at least every key person i know hakez juzang mm-hmm. campbell uh, I don't know who else, but definitely those three. All right, cool. So you're looking at Arizona, or you're looking at UCLA uh, visiting Arizona, and then you're looking at uh, Kansas hosting Baylor. Uh, UCLA Arizona game is Thursday, uh, so tomorrow if you're listening on Wednesday, but February third, UCLA meets Arizona, and then February fifth, Saturday, uh, Baylor visits Kansas. So, all right, man. Good to go. Yeah, so are, uh, are we going to hear your golf take? Yeah, we have enough time. I'm, I have one golf bet that I like. It's at the AT&T Pebble, Pro, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. It's uh, one of the weaker tournaments in the PGA Tour cycle. I think there's only 10 top 50 players in the AT&T Pebble Beach field. A lot of the uh, big players are going to the Saudi International Tournament this weekend, which I don't have anything on. But I do like a one bet. Um, it's not a, a, an overly sexy tournament, but I'm going to go Tom Hogue. I think that's how you pronounce it. Minus 130 in his head-to-head matchup with Denny McCarthy at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Um, both are trending really well. Hogue has got a plus 1.13 strokes gain in his last five tournaments. McCarthy is slightly better, or, uh, better at 1.7 strokes gain in his last five. Um, but... Uh, the Pebble Beach is actually played on three courses, the Pro-Am, and they're all short courses. So, like, the key, the KPIs are, like, the key stats to look for are shots gained, strokes gained by approach, around the green, scrambling, par 4, um, 350 to 400 yards, and then par 375 to 200 yards. Special shout-out to the former co-host of this podcast, Eston McLaren, 
who's still writing sports betting and he covers golf extensively. I found some of these stats um, by reading his uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am write-up. So just wanted to shout out to Essen. We'll get him back on uh, as a guest for future golf coverage. But um, Hogue actually shoots really well. Um, they're both even in three of the metrics, but Hogue outperforms McCarthy in strokes gained in approach, which is essentially like the iron plays. Iron play matter more in shorter courses. And he's um, he's sixth in shots gained in approach and 35th in shots gained in par threes. There's a lot of par threes at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, whereas McCarthy's 108th in strokes gained in approach and um, 142nd in strokes gained in par threes. So, and in the two of the five, um, two of the five KPIs for this tournament, Hogue significantly outperforms McCarthy, and they're pretty even in the other three. Uh, McCarthy also has just been terrible at Pebble Beach, and his three rounds played, he's minus 1.02 strokes gained. Also, there's more juice on Tom Hogue. I'm I'm new into the golf betting, if I'm being honest. So I'm kind of leaning on that the books are doing um, are doing a bit of the heavy lifting here, and by making Tom Hogue uh, more expensive, I'm assuming they're saying that he's the the better bet, or um, they have more liability with with Tom Hogue. So I'm gonna go ahead and follow the books. Um, the books instincts and like and hogue over McCarthy and then for the um aforementioned rationale I'll go with Tom Hogue minus one thirty over Denny McCarthy. But that's all I got for Pebble Beach. We'll talk obviously about the majors and some of the big golf events as uh, the bet slipping podcast moves away from the NFL season. Next week obviously we're gonna do all um Super Bowl coverage and um I don't know if you have any golf um, stats or or ideas to throw my way, Nate. Do you have anything to to bounce off me based on what I just said? Yeah, I don't. I thought it was a really good analysis, though. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, quality work. I actually forgot to do this beforehand, but before we go to the be- uh, go to the window with our best bets, let me sh- first shout out the sponsor of this podcast, Tipco Sportsbook, who's a global sports betting leader. They're not live in New Jersey and Colorado. You can make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. Um, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus, which you can get at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions do apply. You must be 21 or older, so please see Tipico's website for details. If you have a gambling problem, please call one 800 Gambler for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. Please remember to gamble responsibly. Okay, so like we do for every um, bet slipping podcast, we take our best bets to our final segment we call Going to the Window. The Bet Slipping Podcast. Going to the Window. All right, Nate, we're just pretty much rehashing what we've already discussed, but um, we have a, a diverse betting slip both of us do. Why don't you give your best bets first? Yeah, so I got four of them. Three of them we will uh, uh, talk about next week. We'll track next week and into the future. One of them, way future. So my first one is Giannis plus 350 at MVP right now. I think I think it's only the sky's the limit for, or for Giannis. Yep. 
You yeah, can my just, bad. I'll, I'll, you I'll just, rally through them all. And then uh, yeah. Lakers minus three, three and a half tomorrow against the Clippers. Baylor plus three and a half. Which these, again, guys, these are just uh, Lakers, Baylor, UCLA. They're all um, projected odds, kind of just on how much I've been uh, making sure I track the NCAA and uh, basketball, kind of just what I think they'll be at. It'll be interesting to see what I give out and then what they'll actually be. But uh, I got Lakers minus three and a half, Baylor plus three and a half, and then UCLA plus three and a half. So what would you, the best way to do it was like what you'd play it up to, right? Like what's a number where you're like, all right, yeah, that's too expensive for Air or for UCLA or too expensive for Baylor. Yeah, I think uh Baylor favorited. So Baylor minus two and a half, UCLA minus three and a half, Lakers minus five and a half. I would not play any of those. Anything better than that, anything where you can get um Baylor money line, UCLA money line, or them as underdogs, I would take. Okay, so for my best bets, I got two in the NBA. I'm going over in the Heat Spurs game. I would play that one up to 221 and a half. Ah, oh, man. Actually, I'd play it up to 222 and a half. I, I don't think it'll be, I think it'll be 218, 217, but I'll play it up to 222 and a half just because the Spurs. Spurs score a shit ton of points in their home games, or there's a shit ton of points scored in the Spurs home games. I'm going with the Phoenix Suns at the Atlanta Hawks. I think it'll be Suns favored three and a half. I'll play it up to five and a half with the Suns. Um, And I'm going with Tom Hogue, minus 130 versus Denny Denny McCarthy at the AT&T Pebble Pebble Beach Pro-Am, excuse me. Um, it might be tough to find those head-to-head, so sorry if that was kind of a useless bet or segment, but that's an amount. If you could find Tom Hogue um, at minus 130, I would go ahead and bet him versus Denny McCarthy. Also, I took a little sprinkle on his top 20, which I think pays out plus 600, but um, those are my three best bets. Nate, do you have anything to say before we bid the listeners adieu? Nothing else. Just remember to tune in next week. We got Minty jumping on the show again. Yeah, right. You are. All right. Best of luck to you guys on whatever you're getting down on, whether it be uh, NFL Pro Bowl, NBA games that we like, college basketball, or golf, or even hockey. But best of luck, whether you fade, follow us, or whatnot. Um, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. See ya. This is the Bet Slipping Podcast. Featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slipping Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.